Welcome to No Tracers. This episode is one of my favorite episodes. I'm just giving you forewarning. So if you're new to the show, hit subscribe and enjoy the entire episode. Let's get into it. Step into the world of decay, abandonment, and chaos. The story of an urban explorer starts here at the beginning. Welcome to the podcast you've been looking for all along. This is No Tracers. Here, we take only photos. We leave only footprints. And remember, leave no trace. Hi there, my name is Kay, just the letter K. I'm known as No Tracers. You can find me on Instagram, No Tracers, No Dot Tracers, rather. Uh, TikTok, No Tracers. YouTube is No Tracers Urbex. I'm going to be starting to post more of the podcasts on my YouTube channel going forward. I just have been traveling all year on tour with uh, different bands, my own band, as well as uh, freelancing and traveling around the world. I just got home from Switzerland, actually, a couple days ago and uh, wanted to jump right back into recording podcasts with people. And this week, I am so excited to share this episode with you because my guest is such a great storyteller. Today, I am talking to Blake of All American Ruins. He's got a radio show, he's got a podcast, and he works with a nonprofit called the TMI Project. Uh, We'll be talking about all these things throughout this podcast, but he's such a good storyteller, and I'm very, very excited for you to hear this episode. If you are new to the podcast, like I said at the beginning, please hit the subscribe button. If you've been listening for any amount of time, I would really appreciate it if you would leave a rating and feedback, especially if you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It helps us grow. It helps more people just like you find this podcast and it helps our statistics. You know, it's it's always good to, you know, have good stats. And I'm uh, an analytics whore, if you will. I love analytics. I love studying them and figuring out what works, what doesn't work. So if you could leave a rating and feedback, that would help me out. It would also help me know what you like or don't like about the show and what I can change and improve on. So uh, critical feedback is is always uh, appreciated. This show is all about urban exploring. If you're new and have no idea what's going on here, the show is about exploring abandoned places. Uh, I've also started having some rooftoppers on. Uh, so we're going into the full realm of urban exploring now, not just abandoned places. So I'm super excited to be expanding what No Tracers is about and, and the guests that I'm having featured on this show. It's very exciting for me. Um, I do want to take a second to thank our partner on this podcast, Liquid Death Mountain Water. If you've never heard of Liquid Death, well, uh, hey, I've got a new ad for you in three, two, one. The scariest water on the planet that is not for the faint of heart is Liquid Death Mountain Water. Its creators signed a deal with the devil to bring you water from the Austrian Alps. Still sparkling and flavored water is now available at liquiddeath.com use code just the letter k for 10 percent off liquid death not for the faint of heart so if you guys want to get 10 percent off your order at liquiddeath.com go to liquiddeath.com and use code just the letter k you can get a case of water and i think you have to order a set of koozies with your water um, in order for the discount code to be applied to your order so make sure you do that the link is down below Uh, If you want to click on it, it will automatically apply that coupon code. Thank you guys for supporting me, and thank you to Liquid Death for partnering with the No Tracers podcast. Last thing I need to let you know about is that there is some new merchandise at notracers.com slash shop. If you guys want to pick up a hoodie, a beanie, hats, uh, duffel bags for your props that you bring into abandoned places to do your photo shoots, I've got cool duffel bags that I designed. Uh, I'm working on something really cool in 2023 that I'm not going to talk about yet because I don't want anyone to steal my idea, but just know it's a really cool piece of gear that you are going to love and I'm going to love making. I'm super stoked about it. And uh, I also have two photography books about urban exploring out. No Tracers, An Urban Explorer's Diary was my first book. It's about my stories and my photos. It's a coffee table book. And the second one is also a coffee table book called How to Explore Abandoned Buildings. It's uh, full of tips and tricks for exploring. And I teamed up with an illustrator in Portugal that goes by Mr. Sketch, Cursed Sketchbook. He is an illustrator and he drew on top of my photos to 
illustrate these tips and tricks. It's a super cool book. Please go check it out. Without further ado, Blake, please introduce yourself and how long you've been exploring to the No Tracers audience. Hey, my name is Blake, and I'm the creator of All American Ruins. I've been exploring abandoned spaces technically since I was about six years old, uh, starting with an abandoned dairy farm down the hill from the house that I grew up in, uh, in the mountains in Colorado. So take me into that first exploration because, you know, I too explored as a kid. Um, I used to go out in the woods with my brothers and just kind of explore back there. And we came across some like abandoned house furniture or things like that. So that's kind of like what initially got me hooked, but I didn't even know about like urban exploring until much, much later in life. So for you, like take me into that first exploration into that dairy farm and like what you experienced there. Yeah, that first exploration at the dairy farm was mesmerizing. It was formerly run by a nunnery that was also in the neighborhood I grew up in, Mount St. Francis. And it was is it was as if it had been raptured. It had everything inside of it. And when I found the way in, uh, my father had taken my brother and I to go see the outside of the property. But um, being a double Sagittarius, rising and moon, I have a bit of the breaking the rules exploration uh, built into my system. And I figured out a way into the building and uh, the house specifically. I could not believe what I was seeing. I felt like I had literally uh, time traveled. There were dishes on the table, clothes in the closet, furniture everywhere. I I just couldn't believe it. It looked truly like the folks had been raptured and everything was left. And I felt this unreal, undeniable sense of connection to something that was a time and place that wasn't mine. And I didn't quite understand what the feeling was back then, but I knew that it was magical. And I became, I guess I would say, addicted to that magic and went back as often as I could. So as you went back over time, did you see it decay further? Did things start to disappear as people came in and like took things? Like, tell me about the the process of like watching that place further decay and fall apart. It was so protected that many people, I would say a majority of people, even in my own neighborhood, didn't know that there was a way inside. And so with that particular space, I didn't watch a lot of decay. And I remember even at that age thinking to myself that it felt off and felt wrong to take anything mm-hmm. or to destroy anything. And so this this was almost like a museum piece in a way. Then fast forward to a fire that started a mysterious fire you know we we were in a neighborhood that was part of a neighborhood association very uppity stuck up uh white america and they had always wanted this dairy farm to go away so that they could build this horrific set of condos Mm. and um I remember that fire. Um, Well, actually, I don't really remember that fire as much as my mom does. And she reminded me of it. And we went to watch it as a family uh, go up in flames. And the remnants were eventually bulldozed over. And they built these just disgusting looking condos that don't even really fit the landscape of the Colorado mountains. They look like they belong in the Mediterranean. (laughs) And it was... It was depressing. It was very sad. And it wasn't just because, you know, this gorgeous secret structure where I was able to go play pretend and talk to ghosts and learn how to activate my imagination was destroyed, but because the stories that were inside the walls there were also just gone. It was like nobody cared about them. And I talked to my mom about this a lot um, and just the sense of sadness that comes with that because you know, we're on this planet for a short amount of time. And I think that so many stories go untold. And that sort of seemed to serve as a symbol of those stories just being completely erased. Um, They weren't necessarily stories that we knew, but it was a place that had people who lived there and they worked there and they lived lives there. And then it was just gone, which was very sad. You know, it's interesting. We you talked about like the the mysterious aspect of that fire, and you know, I don't want to like claim anything, but <laughs> there are currently some properties, uh, mainly that I've heard about in like the Detroit area, mm-hmm. that are mysteriously catching on fire after the police catch people in these places. 
And so it makes me wonder if the authorities are doing this or somebody on the inside is doing this to remove these properties so that they can, like you said, put these hideous condos in their place. Yeah. It breaks my heart. You know, it breaks my heart anytime something is destroyed or caught on catches on fire or is, you know, set on fire, if you will, uh, because these places, I feel like we as urban explorers cherish them. Yeah, the word cherish is so appropriate. And I I don't disagree, you know, that may be well-informed conjecture, but it's well-informed conjecture that you're posing here. And I think that we, you know, just to connect us to the bigger picture, this is a very greedy, capitalistic society that we find ourselves in. And particularly now, there seems to be this great fight for space and Mm -hmm the people who have more money can buy more space and take up more space. And I think, you know, one of the things that I've so loved and appreciated about sort of being welcomed and ushered into the Urbex community is this respect for history and this respect for these buildings that exist, uh, not just as playgrounds for us to poke around and really pass the time and activate our imaginations, but as monuments to a history and people that came before us and the stories that they, uh, that they lived. Um, It's very humbling. And I, I, I agree with you. I think that, you know, these mysterious fires that you talk about in Detroit, there's actually nothing really mysterious about them at all. Mm -hmm. It, it seems to be uh, exactly what the, you know, 30% of this country is, is going for. Um, and I find that, as you said, to be terribly sad and um, so selfish. You know, these these buildings could, if if you're gonna do something with them, make them places where people can live. You know, the unhoused population in this country is massive, and it's it's a serious problem all over the country. It does not matter what rural, suburban, or urban neighborhood you're in. Unhoused populations. It's it's horrific. And so I I just don't find any merit, not only in getting rid of these buildings, but the, the, the way that they do it, the destructive nature of setting fire to something like that. It's, um, I, I guess my, my body and my brain and my spirit just don't think that way. Um, and so it's, it's, yeah, it is, it's terribly sad. Yeah. And you know, the, you talk about like restoring these buildings for, you know, the, how the people that don't have anywhere to live. Um, I didn't realize this was a problem and, or a solution until about 2017. Uh, when I lived in California, uh, I started exploring some bigger places out there. And for example, there was a 17 story abandoned hospital. Mm. And I spent about four hours walking around this place with my friend. And I was like, there's like medical supplies still in there. They literally left everything, gurneys, uh, disinfectants, uh, everything is left inside this building. And I'm walking around wondering like, why, why isn't anyone living here? Like, why is this building not being repurposed for the greater good? Because California, Los Angeles is notorious for the homeless population there and, and how rampant it is. And they're just living on tents and on the side of the road and people are a lot like allowing this to happen. And it's a horrible thing that, you know, our society has kind of disregarded them, especially those that are like mentally ill that used to be housed in, you know, places like uh, asylums where we, we now explore these more than pretty much any other kind of building because there's so many abandoned asylums because all those people got thrown out on the streets and are not taken care of anymore. And so, for for those that are like listening to this podcast that, that want to get into restoration, it is something that you can do. Um, I just reached out. I saw a post on Instagram. I live in uh, Tennessee in Nashville, and I I ca- caught wind of this amazing mansion that is going to be demolished, but it's a piece of history. Like Tim McGraw lived there. Like a bunch of you know country stars lived in this house, and I wish that there was a way to save it. And turns out that there is, they're actually starting a petition to save this mansion and get it listed as like a historical landmark. And so I'm now in contact with uh, the main person that's associated with it. So hopefully I can get them on the show and and talk about more about restoring these properties and, and repurposing them. And 
hopefully that leads to being able to do more things with, you know, uh, restoring buildings and allowing people to live in them that need a place to live. Um, for you, so you started exploring as a kid. What made you keep going back? Like what kept, what drew you into this aside from like the history and the adventure? It was this sense of belonging. I wish I could explain it better. It was something that sparked in my spirit. I I have always been, I was really lucky that I grew up with parents who really forged the way for me and curated an environment for me to explore my imagination as much as possible. And I think because I was raised in that kind of household and encouraged to use my imagination, that going into a place that you could literally make up however many possible uh, stories that could have could have existed in there um, come alive, it it was it was magical. It was it was pure magic and kind of like I mentioned earlier, there was almost an addictive quality to it. And I think. Uh, you know, I did a lot of reflecting on this experience as a kid when the pandemic started, which is sort of what reignited the fire um, of my interest in these kinds of uh, these kinds of places and exploring them. There was a sense of safety in them, and I, you know, I've talked to a lot of people about this, and most people look at me like cockeyed and think that I'm, you know, bananas because a lot of these places are condemned and it can be very dangerous. You know, I've fallen through floorboards on second, third stories of of schools and, you know, hospitals. And, um, you know, as physically dangerous as it may be, I feel safer inside these spaces than anywhere else in the world because, you know, we're living in such a, a remarkably dangerous um, and uh, hateful time. And to have a space to escape reality for a little bit and get whisked away back in time and to go play pretend even as a 35-year-old man, um, I, I, I can't think of anything else better to do with my time than to do that. You know, we're, we're here, I mentioned this, once on this planet and I'm not interested in engaging with society in in ways that are harmful. Um, I'm interested in engaging with the planet in ways that, uh, you know, pique my imagination and allow me to be creative and to to see as much of of this strange little rock, you know, orbiting through the universe as possible. Yeah, and you know, I I think that what you talked about when you said that you, the the world kind of shuts off when we go into these places. I think that that's something that only explorers understand. And it's something I've talked about before on the podcast. Like when we walk into these places, it seems like the world vanishes and that building is the only thing in existence. And it's such a magical thing. It's like you're walking into a portal into the past. Yeah, it, it I, exactly. And, you know, I, I have so many friends of mine who aren't necessarily explorers, but they they express to me how much they wish they could go. But there's this there's this sense of fear because sure. we live in a society that has established these guidelines, quote unquote, and these rules, quote unquote, excuse me, rules, quote unquote. And I just have never been very good at following those <laughs> rules. I um I just find there to be so much more joy in kind of coloring outside of the lines um, than being told that I have to stay in them in in order to make something look beautiful. Absolutely. So do you have a, now that you've been exploring for some time, do you have a certain type of building that you prefer to explore over anything else? Is it houses or hospitals? Do you have a, a specific building that's a favorite? Ah, oh, that's such a great question. You know, one of the things that consistently amazes me about any of the spaces that I go to is the artwork that has been created on the walls uh, of any of these of these places. And so, I am particularly drawn to places that have been sort of transformed into a piece of art. There mm-hmm. is, um, I can give an example. There's a house um, that is uh, in the Mid Hudson Valley. Uh, up right at the foot of the Catskill Mountains. And it's a four-story house that sits on a property that once 
housed a drive-in movie theater. This, uh, and this this house has been um, they it's it's been transformed into this artistic monument to the climate activist Greta Thunberg. And I remember when I when I went to this place the first time, and I I walked around to the front, and there was just this giant message. Um, with flames coming out of the side, just like these huge painted flames that someone had affixed to the side of the house coming out the sides. Like, look, these flames looked like they were coming out the window. And there was a giant message that said, panic like the house is on fire. And I remember wow. thinking, what what song from the 80s was <laughs> is this lyric from? And so I Googled the that phrase and this video popped up of Greta Turnberg giving some speech at a convention. And she says, I want you to panic like the house is on fire. Wow. And then I looked up from my phone and there was an old marquee that had once been sitting on the side of the road, you know, welcoming you know, patrons to the drive-in movie theater back in the 50s. And somebody had just taken that same spray paint, the same fiery color, and just written Greta Turnberg on it. And I went into the house and all of these different climate messages were were painted on the sides. It was gorgeous. It was absolutely gorgeous. So to answer your question, any any place that has been transformed into something artistic, that's what I'm the most drawn to. Um, I know a lot of people love this idea of, you know, like I mentioned earlier, a raptured place or um, a place that might be really creepy and have, you know, gadgets from, you know, a 1930s um, uh, psychiatric institution. And that stuff is cool, but it's it's the places that have been transformed by artists. And it doesn't have to just be, you know, graffiti or, or, or spray painted work. You know, I've seen some of the most gorgeous um, dances choreographed in these spaces. I've seen amazing parkour um, that's been captured in these spaces. And then of course, you know, some of the most unbelievable videography and photography. Um, so I guess this is just to say that any space that elicits artistic um brilliance that's that's really what i'm the most interested in amazing amazing wow i'm i'm never gonna get that that quote out of my head panic like the house is on fire yeah yeah it's uh i i have to say that space in particular i had this the first time i explored it most remarkable experience um i walked up so when you walk into the house at the bottom there's a there's a the garage is sort of on the back side of the house and it's it's in the basement and when i walked up to it i realized someone had taken hundreds and hundreds of paint cans and created a maze that you had to walk through in order to get into the house and so you know immediately walking into this panic like the house is on fire like underneath that quote these flames coming out of the sides these paint cans i i was already transported to something that was you know deeply spiritual for me art is a spiritual experience for me um and when i walked upstairs i got to the third floor and i turned a corner and a bird flew out of a room almost as if it was was waiting for me to get there and it flew directly towards my head it was it was coming for me almost as if to say actually you're not welcome here today and uh then it it i had to duck and it missed my head and i i continued and i i turned into this bedroom and there was this second bird the which i you know surmised to be uh, surmised to be this this other bird's partner flying in circles around the room and i glanced at the wall on the right and someone oh my god i get emotional thinking about it somebody had spray painted i love you more and more each day and instantly i had this you know imagined fantasy of this elderly couple who had once lived there and run this drive-in movie theater and their spirits had gone into these you know new bodies as mm. birds and someone knew that that had happened and recreated their love story just by saying i love you more and more each day i mean wow. if that's not a magical experience that can you know absolve my depression for a few days then i don't know what it is yeah wow that's absolutely magical and and the way you tell these stories is is beautiful you have a, a great way of of storytelling and painting this this amazing picture that you're experiencing um for you like let's talk about we're, we're talking about creativity and, and art here what 
has been your most creative entrance into one of these buildings? Mm, it's such a good question. You know, when I first started, uh, you know, slowly, because the, the Urbex community is pretty um, particular and yes. very careful about how things are done. And, you know, it's because everyone in this community is a protector of sorts. And so I, at first I didn't quite understand it, but then as I started to really immerse myself in the world, I, 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 I understood it. Um, and so as I started, you know, going through and seeing all of these different ways that art was being created in these spaces, I, I asked myself, you know, I'm I'm not really a photographer, I'm not really a videographer, but I am a writer and a storyteller and an orator, and that's what I love to do. And so it dawned on me that as I was entering each of these spaces, my imagination was truly setting on fire, um, and so many things were happening, so many fantasies running through my head, just like when I was a kid. And so I think the first time that it happened to me um, was the first space I explored when the pandemic started, uh, which is an abandoned military base up like two hours north of my house in the Hudson Valley. And the second that I rolled under that fence um, and stood up and walked into the gatehouse that was at the front of the property, it... I, I, I don't even know how to explain it to you. I, it, it was like my body got lifted um, and just like picked up and carried to this other time and place. Um, and since then, every, you know, every time I go in, it's a different experience. Um, there was a school down in on the eastern shores of Virginia that I that I got to explore. And it was it was one of those accidental moments where you know you're driving on a a county highway just keeping to yourself and all of a sudden this, you know, three-story art deco you know works progress administration building just appears on the horizon and you you know sort of screech around flip a u-turn but i i remember um pulling around to the back of that building and and looking up and just seeing this giant hole in the side of the building um and i could see the blackboard uh on 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 the side of one of the walls in the classroom and it was truly like this little phantom appeared and I could see this teacher talking to her class and, you know, giving that day's history lesson on the local community. Um, and then, of course, you know, I, I look down and I see <laughs> written directly underneath this magical thing that I was, you know, you know, conjuring in my head, just the, the words sex uh, drugs, depression written in giant letters on the side of the building. Um, I, I don't I don't know even how to answer your question. It's it's so different every time and each one is so exper um so different. Um but those are the two that kind of stick out to me. Amazing. And how about your scariest exploration? That same school. Um I yeah, that same school in that exact room actually with the hole in the wall. When I went up to the second floor, um you know, I had been told by one of my first urbex friends early on stick to the sides of the rooms if you're unsure about the floorboards in the center that's usually a safer bet try to find the beams in the floor and i was just so mesmerized and my imagination was going so crazy that i wasn't looking where i was going and all of a sudden i was plummeting through the floor um down into what i wound up finding out subsequently was uh one of the bathrooms in the cafeteria and i luckily as my waist hit the floor i was able to catch myself with my arms and i could just feel this you know weightlessness and dangling over this you know very <laughs> it was it was a long drop um and i remember thinking to myself Okay, so we have a new rule. We don't go to second stories <laughs> without another friend, uh, at least. Um, and we stick to the sides of the room. So I think that might be the scariest. But there was also a resort that I explored um, in Pennsylvania. And when I arrived, I was the only person there. And when I left, um, I, I rolled under the fence. This resort is split uh, into two sides, uh, divided by this highway. And I rolled under the fence, um, and there were like 
12 cars there and all these people, this was right, you know, when the pandemic was really in its first heat wave. And so many people were, um, I think, discovering this, this joy. Um, And right as I got to my car and put the key in, into the lock and unlocked it, I heard sirens. And as I got into my car, four cop cars, like you would have thought there had been like a triple homicide or something, the number of, of, of cops that showed up. And I, you know, I went to turn the ignition and then all of a sudden there was a cock, a cop knocking on my window and I rolled down the window and he was like, were you just in there? And it was interesting. I was scared, but then it was like this, it was like somebody, you know, like a ghost possessed me and I was very cool and calm. And I was like, oh no, man, I'm sorry. I I just pulled over to to send a text. I didn't want to text and drive. And so that was pretty scary too. Um, (laughs) There was also a time I've, I've been uh reprimanded twice now uh and the second time was very recently at a an abandoned um children's camp up also in the Catskill Mountains and the caretaker of that property um figured out that me and my friend were in in the in the space and I actually have an audio recording of him screaming at us but he was like six foot four like you know in his late 60s early 70s definitely um had been living in this very rural area for a long, long, long time, probably didn't see a lot of people. And he was very, very angry. And I remember thinking to myself, this man might have a gun and this is, might be my final, my final day on this planet. Um, but then as, you know, maybe like a minute into his spiel and he was dropping the F word every other, every other, you know, word and just so angry, I realized, oh, this man is lonely and he just wants someone to yell at. I have nothing to be afraid of. As long as I'm kind to him, I'll, I'll be fine. Um, so, yeah, those are those are a couple of the the scary experiences I can I can say. And if you can send me that audio bit, I'm actually going to put it in right here. No question. I will absolutely send it to you. It's it's really magnificent. And actually, what's so interesting, um, this is just like a total side note and like a comment on the cultural climate that we're in. Um, you know, I was with a, a queer friend of mine and uh, we're both queer, but she's married to a woman and I'm dating a man. And this the and you'll hear it in the recording. But the du- <laughs> the dude was like, um and you know, I don't know who he is to talking to, to my friend. He was like, I don't know who he is to you. I don't know if he's your boyfriend or whatever the fuck. I couldn't give a fuck. Um, and just, it was so weird that he had to make that statement. Um, and I, you know, I kind of cocked my head and I was like, girl, you have something to tell us. You know? <laughs> oh my God. Amazing. <laughs> the experiences we have and the people we meet at these places, it's always fascinating. You know, if I've heard stories on this podcast about, you know, uh, cops showing up and actually giving a tour of the place. You know, yep. so the, you never really know what's going to happen with these people. It's just kind of like a, a roll of the dice who you're going to run into. But I'm, I'm mm-hmm. glad you were safe and, and OK in that situation, regardless of being yelled at uh, by a strange man. But yeah, yeah, it was interesting, too. He once he was done screaming at us and once we fake deleted our photos because yes. you know he was older and he didn't know that there was a deleted folder um uh he we got in our cars he got in his and then he followed us and i was like nah man there's no way that this joker is going to is going to follow me today like we did what he said now i'm now i'm pissed so i yanked off the road to a gas station he yanked in with me And I got out of my car and I was about to go over and be like, yo, bro, back off. And when he got out of his car, he he had this look of just like pure sadness and apology Mm. written all over his face. And he went on to explain to first of all, he he didn't apologize, but he was like, you understand why I had to do that. Right. You get it. Like, it's my job. Like, you get me. Right. And and I immediately was like, oh, okay, so this guy felt bad and so that's why he followed us um but then he proceeded to tell us about another abandoned location and like (laughs) showed us how to get there (laughs) it was amazing it was totally amazing what a guy what a guy yeah what a guy what a guy what a character wow that's a an incredible experience that you must have had um has anything ever made you want to stop exploring like have you ever had an experience that was just like so ridiculous that you were like maybe i should take a break for a second Huh. Yeah. You know, um, it's interesting. So 
the the way that I sort of found my own voice within the community was to create these immersive audio experiences on my podcast, um, which is called Abandoned, the All American Ruins podcast. And I, you know, spend a lot of time curating these soundscapes to actually bring people into the spaces with me as I'm narrating what's going on inside my imagination, while also making comments on on culture and American history and just the the general American uh, social landscape at the the current juncture. Um, And a couple months ago... I kind of hit a wall where I was overworked and, you know, each episode takes about 55 hours to produce soup to nuts um, because they're very complicated soundscapes. And I just hit this wall where I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. This is too much work. Um, And so I did, I did for, I'd say like about a month or so really become um, almost like abhorrent to the work that I had been doing um, and sort of like, uh, I, I don't know, just ir- irritable towards abandoned spaces and just the community in general. Um, but I think I was honestly just tired and overworked. Uh, there was another experience um, where I did almost call it quits when it was the other time that I got yelled at. Um, someone called the cops on a friend of mine and I because they had seen us enter a space you know, because people don't have anything better than to do than call cops. Um, and the cops, I, uh, they, they, they were just there outside waiting for us, and they kept threatening my friend, who is a person of color, and I was very cognizant of this whole thing, and I got so pissed uh, that this experience was happening because I, I knew exactly what was going on. Um, and had to keep inserting myself into the conversation because he was somehow weirdly focused on my friend who, by the way, it was his first time ever exploring a space Mm. and his last. Um, And I remember leaving that experience and being like, to hell with it. If authority is going to exert that much um, control on a very, very innocent thing that I'm doing here, then I might as well find something else to do. Um, and then, of course, like 24 hours later, I was back exploring an abandoned mansion, <laughs> <laughs> like right down the road. So, yeah, it's, you know, those experiences definitely shake us up. And and I've had a couple of those myself, you know, and I, I think we can all agree that people take things too far when it comes to, uh, you know, the catching catching us and and reprimanding us and that kind of thing i especially if we're just taking photos you know or just exploring i i think it's an innocent thing and and we love doing it and i mean if the if the building's just gonna sit there i'm gonna go inside like i I don't know what to tell you like they just gotta realize that that's what's happening (laughs) yeah it's like my my grandmother used to say if the sidewalk's there i'm gonna put my feet on it um and you know and this i will say you know to sort of flip the script a little bit here there are like in every community bad apples and i have seen uh destructive behavior and i have seen people taking things out of the spaces Mm -hmm. and you know i'm not here to tell anybody what to do or what not to do but uh it has always been a rule and i think i mentioned this early in our in our chat that um i never take anything i don't destroy anything um and that's just that's just how I feel about it. You know, this is this is a, a hobby and a pastime of respect and of of protection. And so, you know, I I understand why a couple bad apples may have you know created sort of a, a bad reputation for the rest of us. But like, come on, most of us are going in to take pictures. Most of us yeah. are going in to explore and pass the time. Um, you know, because what else are we supposed to do? Not, you know, (laughs) like this giant 130 building psychiatric facility in the middle of nowhere is just sitting there and you, you want me to not go in. Okay. (laughs) Okay. okay. We'll see about that. Yeah. Um, What do you do when you're not exploring abandoned places? I work a nine to five, uh, in a, at a nonprofit, um, here in the Hudson Valley called TMI project. We are, a true storytelling organization and we teach everyday folks like you and me 
how to tell their own personal true stories. Um, we're specifically looking for the parts of people's stories that are the TMI parts of people's mm. stories. That's the name of the organization, which are the parts that people usually leave out because they're ashamed or embarrassed. Um, and we find that those parts of the stories are what really foster community connection and uh, create an understanding between, um, you know, everyday folks. And what sort of has been so interesting about the work, I've been working there for just over five years full time now. And um, all of our work uh, really falls under four different social justice focus areas. And so it's it's been cool because it's it's not just a literary or a performing arts organization. We are also very much a social justice organization who has partnered with, you know, I, I can't even tell you how many wonderful um, institutions and organizations and groups across the country really uh, pushing progressive narratives um, because the foundation of every social justice movement is storytelling. And so, uh, you know, our, our stories fall under these, these four focus areas, racial justice, gender equity, LGBTQIA plus rights and mental health awareness. Um, And then I also host a weekly radio program uh, on uh, Radio Kingston WKNY here in the Hudson Valley. It's called The File File, and it's a, a show that um, invites intergenerational conversations. Um, so that's what I do. That's amazing. Uh, Can I pause? I'm going to yeah. lose power here. Let oh, me okay. just plug in. For sure. Yeah, you're good. That would suck. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. If this happens, I'll die. <laughs> it's okay. It'll be saved if anything happens. So we should be fine. Oh, yes. the mighty the power sound. sound. Of, uh, <laughs> the sound of life. <laughs> be okay, with us. Okay, cool. Uh, so for just out of curiosity, if people do want to maybe get involved with the the things you're doing with the TMI project, where can they go to find more information about that? Yeah, so if you just go to tmiproject.org, um, we have all of the information on how to get involved. You know, because of the pandemic, we had to move a lot of our work into the virtual stratosphere. Sure. And lo and behold, found that, you know, at a time of great isolation, people were craving human connection. And that's what our for, our work fosters. Um, so, yeah, go to tmiproject.org. And if you're interested in learning more about Radio Kingston, um, you can just go to radiokingston.org to check out more about my show there. Amazing. Thank you for that. Um, yeah. So... If you could live in one abandoned place that you've explored for an entire week, which mm. place would it be? Oh, that's such a good question. It's so interesting that my instinct isn't to go to a house. Um, actually, that's not true. That's a that's the biggest lie I've ever told uh, today. <laughs> um, there was uh, there was an abandoned. Um, like a like a gravekeeper's shanty um, out in the Outer Banks of North Carolina that I visited back in April of 2021. And again, it was one of those places that I just sort of happened upon. But this place was like stuck in the 1950s, man. It was like the telephone on the wall had the the rotary, um, you know, the, the refrigerator really looked like it had been ripped out of a, a general electric commercial from the 50s. Um, so that place sticks, you know, it's interesting that whole, that whole week, um, there were all of these accidental finds. So I'd say that place was pretty cool. Cause it, it just, you know, it overlooked the Atlantic ocean. It was gorgeous. And it was right next to this huge graveyard. Um, and that's just like another thing that I love. I'm so obsessed with graveyards, but, uh, simply, I guess the other place I would choose if I could choose two, I know you asked for one, but I'm going to choose two. Um, was an abandoned water park on that same trip that I found also on the Outer Banks. Um, I just, I love theme parks. I've always been a theme park fan, you know, abandoned or not. Uh, And this place was special because it was kitschy. And um, I could just, I could tell that when it was active, it was, it was a very friendly place that created a lot of good memories for families. Mm. 
Yeah, it's it's always cool, you know, theme parks and water parks to to look back in Google archives and find the photos of when it was open and then go mm. now and see what it's like now. Uh, I I love that. That's like my, one of my favorite things about abandoned theme parks and water parks is that you can look back and see those like happy family photos and people playing in the water or on the on the rides, you know, things like that, playing games and just to like walk around the the and it's like completely silent. You know, it's just mm. quite, quite the juxtaposition. And I still feel like even in those moments, I am transported back in those and into that time, even if it's just for a moment, you know, just to kind of relive those footsteps and to see, you know, there's a, a spot out in California that's like very well known, a, a water park out there. And when you walk off the road, you can just like step over this, like these two logs that they've just kind of stacked, right, to keep people out or to keep cars out. Uh, but you walk through the parking lot to get to the the uh, water park and there's still the blue handicapped lines like for mm. the handicapped parking on the on the road. And you're immediately just like transported back into the, you know, the time that that water park was open. And, you know, unfortunately, they've dismantled all the slides. So there's not really like a whole lot to do there or see. But it's still cool to like walk back into the past. And I think that's one of the things that I love most about exploring abandoned places is that like we've talked about throughout this podcast is that we're walking into these time capsules and these, these portals into another time that not a lot of people get to explore. Um, for you, what do you hope for the future of urban exploring? That it perpetuates this, you know, I, I, I always picture in a hundred years if my house is abandoned mm -hmm. for whatever reason, and I am a ghost in the house and somebody just like me finds a way to get into the house and respectfully explores and does exactly what I do. Um, that would be my hope. I hope that generations of people to come continue to show interest and really trust their, um, their gut in wanting to go explore these kinds of places. Um, and then I think the other thing I would say is uh, if if there are places that are um, up for being demolished, uh, that people just stop setting them on fire. Yeah. Um, and that if, if we truly do need to demolish a building uh, or they're looking to demolish it, that folks, really smart folks, people way smarter than me, um, urban planners and architects, um, can go in and try to figure out a way to preserve it because it happens all the time yeah. and it, 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 it creates, um, you know, safe places for people who may not have places to live, kind of like we discussed, um, you know, to live. So I think, I think those would be the, the two, the two things also, actually, no, that's not true. The other, the other thing is I'd love to see just the, the word urbex become like an official, artistic term or artistic medium similar to how parkour or dance mm -hmm. have become official terms for artistic mediums um i think ur urban exploration truly is an artistic form and there's there's a way to do it and there's a spirit behind it and not everyone is good at it um so i'd love to see that sort of become something um, more official. I'm sure there's a lot of urbexers out there who are going to slap my hand for saying that <laughs> because, you know, part of the beauty of this community is the, the subtlety and yeah. the um, under the radarness. But I am all about creating equity um, and creating equitable spaces. And honestly, that includes um, the urbex community. I think um, the more people who can understand the joy of what we, we do, the better. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And my last question for you is, what is something you know now that you wish you knew when you started exploring? Jeez Louise. Um, <laughs> uh, something I know. Oh, I, I that's that's a great question. Um, don't, do not set expectations when you are given intel on a mm. place because you might show up and it might be gone. Yeah. Um, there was an abandoned uh, women's prison in Broward County, Florida, that I had hyped myself up that I was going to get to go visit. I mean, just hyped myself up. And there, you know, with all the um, research that I had done leading up to going, none of them 
none of the things that I had read online said that, oh, we demolished this and now uh, it's a warehouse for Ikea. Um, uh, no, and of course, no. yeah, it's just, it was really gutting. So that's what I would say. Don't set high expectations when you're going out to find a place because it often is the case that it's it's no longer there. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on No Tracers and sharing your stories and your insight with everybody here and a little bit about what you do and, and your, your backstory. It's been a, a pleasure to ch- chat with you today. Um, if people want to keep following your journey, let them know where they can find you online to uh, follow your photography, your explorations and your life. Yeah. So, um, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm, you know, I know how to take a photograph and tell a story with one, but I would never call myself a photographer, but I am an orator. And as I mentioned, I have a multimedia project called all American ruins where I am recreating my experiences through the written audio and cinematic, um, arts, uh, both fantastical and, and non-fictional. And you can just go to allamericanruins.com. And you can also go to Instagram and just look up all American ruins are the two places. Well, that was my episode with Blake of all American ruins. If you want to check out his everything, if you want to check out his everything, the links are down in the description for you. Uh, along with that in the description, there are a bunch of Amazon affiliate links. Basically what that means is that I've curated some products that I think you need and might want for urban exploring. And if you buy them using those links, I actually get a little bit of commission. So it's a way to help me out as a creator. I don't get paid for this podcast. I only get paid through uh, my affiliate things uh, such as Liquid Death and Amazon affiliate links. So if you guys want to help me out, you can do that. Otherwise, you can go pick up a photo print or some merchandise or a book at notracers.com shop. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and feedback. Go let Blake know that you enjoyed listening to his stories if you did. And I will talk to you next week for another episode of the No Tracers podcast. If you want to come on the show, hit me up at no.tracers on Instagram or contact at notracers.com. Like I said at the beginning, I'm looking to get more uh, rooftoppers on the show and different types of explorers. So if you know anybody, hit me up in the DMs and let me know who I should get on the show. Thank you guys. Stay strong. Keep enduring. Go out, go explore something and remember, leave no trace.